Hello, my dear listeners. Welcome to my podcast, Scary Sleepover. This podcast is intended to help you recall frightening but hopefully treasured childhood memories. I remember having sleepovers with my cousins and telling scary stories that we experienced, heard, or even made up. We would gather around in a dark room, and in a hushed tone, each of us would take turns telling scary stories. So wrap yourself up with your favorite blanket and let your cousin tell you a little story. For the first episode, I thought that it would be the perfect opportunity for you, my dear listeners, to get to know me and my culture. The first story for today is actually inspired by my acquaintance, True Story. She had shared with me that she remembers her past life as clearly as she does the childhood memory of her present life. She even kept in contact with her family, and they acknowledged her as if she was still the person that she was before. Now, reincarnation is a common belief in Cambodia, but it is not what the first story is about. When she told me this, I was instantly curious if she remembered how she died, and she did. She told me that her life was taken by a land guardian spirit, whom we refer to as Neta. Neta is the protector of a territory. It is common for travelers to spot Neta shrine and the big tree in small villages. Believers would go to the shrine to pray for all kinds of things, for protection, for love, for luck, even for lottery numbers. However, Neta is a fearful being because we believe that not only do they have the ability to bless you, but they also have the ability to take your soul if they find your behavior disrespectful or offensive in their territory. And this was what happened to my acquaintance in her past life. Now that you know the background, let's go ahead with the first story. Years ago, my dad worked as a truck driver. Whose main gig was to transport timbers from the forest to woodworkers in the city. However, his job didn't pay much. Not to mention, he had to support me and my mom, who was pregnant with my younger brother at the time. My dad was under a lot of pressure to provide for our family, so he tried to look for other ways to increase his income. He then remembered his friend, who had worked with him as a driver before, but now had become a wealthy businessman. For the sake of convenience, let's call him Jack. My dad reached out to Jack to ask for his secret to success, but without much hope, since he didn't expect Jack to share his money-making tip. To his pleasant surprise, his old friend actually told him that she had earned so much more money from collecting the woods himself instead of simply transporting them. In the forest, there were many valuable woods that could be sold for thousands of dollars. If only the lumberjacks knew how to identify those trees. My dad eagerly discussed this option with my mom, who was rather reluctant, because she knew that going deep into the forest is dangerous. He has to deal with the animals, the diseases, and also the superstitions. My mom had heard that the Neta or the land guardian spirits in that particular forest has taken many lives before. The rumor was that the lumberjacks who had gone to the forest to find woods ended up losing their lives, whether by accident, by diseases, or just fell terribly sick without any explanation. 
Of course, it was just a rumor, and my dad assured her that he would be working together with a crew of strong and experienced men, so he would have plenty of help and support in case of an emergency. My mom hesitantly agreed, as she knew that her husband would not change his mind. Jack became the leader of the crew with full support from my dad, since he obviously had the most experience in surviving the forest and identifying valuable woods. Once they arrived at the forest, the first thing that Jack did was bringing them to the Nita Shrine. My dad said that the shrine was large and well maintained. The statue, though, was intimidating. The statue was of an elderly man with full beard. He was shirtless with only a bright red gaban on. Side note: Gaban is a lower body wraparound cloth worn in countries like Cambodia, Laos, and Thailand. He was sitting in a lotus position with one hand holding a large stick. My dad felt the hair on his neck stood up when he, as well as the other workers, knelt down to pray to the statue for protection, or so he thought. While the other men were praying, my dad looked up to the statue from his position, and he swore that he saw the statue's eyes casting downward as if looking directly at them. But my dad was not someone who was easily scared, so he went ahead with the plan and ended up making a lot more money as a lumberjack. The crew would locate a valuable tree and cut it down before transforming it into timbers to be sold to big furniture manufacturers. The labor was hard, and the equipment was expensive, but the profit margin was so high that they broke even only after a few trips. Unfortunately. The celebratory period did not last long. One by one, the men had fallen sick, mostly from minor illnesses that wasn't. Mostly from minor illnesses that wasn't over time. Even though his crewmate were basically plucked up one after the other, my dad did not care. He thought that as long as he was cautious and took care of himself, he wouldn't have anything to worry about. So he continued his work as usual. Until one night, where he made a bone-chilling discovery. During one of his trips, the crew was camping right on the edge of the forest. Deep into the night, everyone had already fallen asleep due to exhaustion, except for the person assigned as watchman. Having watchmen is actually a common practice for campers because they would have someone to watch out for the whole team, and they would take turns. So that everyone has a chance to go to sleep, and my dad shift was around 2 a.m. At around 1:30 a.m., my dad stirred awake when he thought it was time for his shift, and when he looked at the time, he realized that he woke up 30 minutes early and was planning to go back to sleep, but he noticed that the fire outside the tent had died out. So he called out to the on-duty watchman, but got no response. So he naturally assumed that the watchman had left to gather some more firewood. My dad grabbed a flashlight and was about to join the watchman with collecting firewood. Yet at that moment, he had a gut feeling that someone was around the shrine, which was on the other side of the forest edge. He was cautious, as he feared that it might be thieves or robbers. As he moved closer, he could vaguely make out a familiar figure. Out of pure instinct, my dad turned off his flashlight to keep himself hidden in the dark. The other person, though, still had his flashlight on, 
so my dad could see his silhouette. It was his friend, Jack. He didn't know why exactly, but he knew that this man had something up his sleeve. So he decided to observe the man a little longer. That night, the forest was deadly and eerily quiet. It was so quiet that my dad could hear his own heart thumpings against his chest as he watched the scenes play out. He saw the man take out a few incense sticks and lift them up before praying to the statue. The man was only speaking under his breath, but my dad could hear it as clear as day. He said, Forefather, this child had brought you these men's as offering as I had promised. If you bless me with more money and fortune, I will be able to bring even more offerings for you. As soon as my dad heard that, something clicked in his head, and he immediately retreated back to the camping place. He was terrified that he would get caught, but fortunately, he got back into his tent before Jack noticed. He pretended to be asleep, and when it was time for his shift, Jack came to check on him. My dad was covered in cold sweats and was shivering, so everyone just assumed that he had fallen sick just like his previous crew members, perhaps from dengue fever. He ended up asking to leave the trip early and later withdrew from the crew completely. He didn't even ask for his share of the equipment back or even the money that they made from that last trip. Everyone including my mom was confused by his sudden change of heart, but no one really questioned anything. The crew was actually glad that they didn't have to split their money with him. So he cut his tie with them completely, especially with Jack. My dad went back to transporting timbers as before. It took him months to finally confess to my mom about what happened on that trip. Not long after, they heard the news that the entire crew was robbed and murdered in the forest. Jack was shot and killed while struggling against the robber. My dad was positive that Jack had died in his place because he fortunately had left the crew early. I want the story to end here, but it went on. Only a couple months later, my dad got into a horrible accident. His truck that was parked uphill had backfired. While the truck came to a stop very quickly, the thick and heavy timbers on the back of the truck came crashing down and tumbled on top of my dad. He passed away instantly. Until now, my mom wasn't sure if it was a simple freak accident or that the Netta finally found his final offerings. The second story is actually a wildly popular legend in Cambodia. There is an old saying that growing jigchui tree, a kind of large banana tree, in your household will bring bad luck to the house owner. So it is strictly forbidden and considered almost like a curse. This belief was derived from the following story. A long, long time ago, there lived a poor family who made a living out of farming. During a cruel drought, there was no water or rain. Without proper irrigation, all the crops died. Desperate, the husband then decided to leave his pregnant wife to work as a laborer in a faraway village. After the husband left, there was an epidemic in the village, which killed the majority of the villagers. At the beginning, only small animals were infected with the disease. 
but later on is spread out to big animals and then to human beings. The village became a ghost town. At night, only eerie sounds of dog howling could be heard, and the gentle light of kerosene lamps was seen in sparse places, causing any passerby to get goosebumps. Meanwhile, the man that we mentioned earlier was unaware of the whole situation. He kept working hard to earn enough money to return home and take care of his wife, and soon-to-be-born child. As soon as he saved enough money, he hurried back home. On his way back, he encountered people from other villages, who warned him not to return. You can't go to your village now. Many of them have died. We don't know whether your children and wife are still alive or not, because no one is encouraged to go to that village. But because the man missed his wife dearly, he ignored their warning and stubbornly walked home that night. When he arrived in his village, he saw the dim light in every house. He was ecstatic, yet he couldn't help but feel slightly doubtful about the unusual quietness. His neighbors, who would sit in front of their houses in the evening to converse, were nowhere to be seen. Reaching the fence of his house, he called for his wife. She rushed to open the gate to welcome him warmly as usual. There was nothing to be suspicious of. The woman hurried to the kitchen to make fire and cook for her husband. But ask him not to enter their bedroom just yet. The husband suddenly became wary of his wife's strange behavior. Her eyes became white and seemed to be bulging. The white part of her eyes turned red, and her pupils were unfocused, moving up and down erratically. The most alarming thing, however, was the putrid smell of rotting corpses coming from the bedroom. Reminded of the villagers' warning, he decided to observe his wife in secret. He peeked inside the kitchen, through a small gaps in the wooden wall, and saw her elongated her tongue out to pick up a ladle from the ground. Seeing this, he realized that this must be a ghost trying to imitate his wife and deceiving him. The man crept into the bedroom and found the decaying bodies of his wife and child. Horrified, he went back out to the living room and sought for a way to escape from the ghost. "Please cook the rice quickly, my dear," he said to her. "I am very hungry. I will go downstairs to urinate for a moment." Then he poked a small hole in a clay pot, in order to pour the water out onto the palm tree leaves. It sounded as if the man was urinating. Then he ran as fast as he could toward a pagoda where a monk resided. This monk was well known for repressing the evils, so the man was certain that he could help him. The ghost, thinking that her husband has been urinating for too long, walked out to see him. As soon as she spotted her husband escaping, she wasted no time and started chasing him, wailing and begging for him to stop running. The husband could feel the ghost of his wife closing in on him. He knew that he would not be able to reach the pagoda on time, so he climbed up by a mat tree. A kind of tree believed to be effective in protecting people from ghosts and evil spirits. The ghost dared not to go near the baima tree. She walked around it and called out to her husband to come down. The man was relieved to find out that the ghost was afraid of the baima tree, so he broke a branch of the tree and carried it on his shoulder before heading toward the pagoda. Thanks to the effect of the baima branch, the ghost was afraid to get closer to her husband. But she still followed him as closely as possible. 
When the man arrived at the pagoda, he went to find the monk who was reciting and preaching the eight virtue in the temple, and told the monk about what happened to him, as well as asking for his help. The Buddhist monk let the man stay in the temple and actively cast a spell around it to prevent the ghost from entering. The ghost refused to go far from that building. She kept walking back and forth, trying to find any ways to reach her husband. And then she found one. Right next to the temple was a large banana tree called Jaitria, with its wide branch bowing into its window. Despite the effectiveness of the spell, it could not be stronger than the power of the large banana tree. The spell was effective, but was rendered useless at the place where the Jaitria branch touch the temple. This created an opening for the ghost to get into the sacred building. She climbed up the large banana tree branch and got into the temple through the open window. She cruelly broke her husband's neck, killing him instantly. Because there was such a narrative, Cambodian people generally banned their descendants from growing the large banana trees near their houses, as they believed that it could invite evil spirits and bring bad luck. As for the Baima tree, they have become a good remedy to ward off evils. So that is the legend of Jaitria Ghost. This story is very, very popular. You wouldn't find any Cambodian who doesn't know this story. It was actually made into a movie. I remember going to see this movie in theater when I was seven or eight and I had nightmares for weeks. No, we don't learn much about the ghost wife in this story, but in the movie, they actually dramatize it a little bit. So instead of dying from a disease, the ghost in the movie died from heartbreak. She was manipulated to think that her husband left her for another woman. It's it kind of sad to think about, and she died with vengeance. That's why she decided. To take a husband's life, in one scene of the movie, I think the ghost was kind of talking in a sing-song voice, asking where her husband was, and my cousin would use that every single day that he sees me, and I ended up having nightmares. So I don't know if that was a good or a bad memory, but it sure is a very memorable one. For the last story of the episode, it isn't actually a story. It is more of an a personal and informal storytelling about the paranormal experiences that I've had, or my friends and family had. And this story is about the strange and freaky incidents that would occur every time my family members get baptized. So, for context, my country is. A Buddhist country, but there are also quite a lot of Christians, and my family happened to be in Christian community. My family actually had a rather complicated relationship with spirits, and so our experience as Christian are actually also quite complicated. For my older brother, the strange incident happened the day he's supposed to be baptized. That night. He got sleep paralysis, which, very sadly, is not an uncommon things to occur at my old haunted house. So um, he thought that it was just a normal sleep paralysis, but today he had 
A visitor. No, visitors. So first he saw an old woman standing at the end of his bed. She didn't say anything. She didn't do anything. She just stood there. And then two kids came out, and he said the kids grab a rope and wrap him up and try to pull him off the bed. And they said repeatedly for him to go play with them at the land. He sure as hell didn't want to go with them to the land. So he said that he is the child of God, and he is not afraid of them. And he pray to God to save him from the evil spirits, to give him the strength to get away. And the lady started laughing. My brother was like terrified. He tried to move and stuff, but unfortunately, he couldn't wake up for a good ten minutes or so. But he said that it felt a lot longer. And when he finally moved, they were gone. And he told、um, what happened to the pastor at our church. The pastor said it is very common for evil spirits to, you know, try to distract you or scare you away from getting baptized or becoming the child of God. My brother got baptized, and all is good. He still had quite a few incidences in that old haunted house, but、um, I guess that story for next time. So let's move on to another freaky incident that happened to my family member. So my cousin dreamed of our long gone grandfather. Our grandpa was quite a traditional man, but in that dream he was like having long hair and wearing almost hipster outfit. My cousin knew that that was not our grandpa. Our grandpa does not dress like this or act like this. He asked her to open the door for him. Obviously, she declined. She knew that was not our grandfather. The spirits, I suppose, started screaming and threatening her, and it eventually got to the point that he was using her very young child to threaten her to open the door. He said he wanted to take his life if she didn't open the door for him. That was a very scary thought for her, and I'm sure that it is a scary thought for any mother, as he said that. She actually visualized her child being hanged. That was like the breaking point for her, and she started crying and begging. She cried hard enough that she woke herself up. And the next morning, she came to my house and told my mom about what happened. Since she was in a bad place in life as well, she actually come to stay with us for around a week until you know she feel better and she no longer had the scary dream. That actually hit harder than what my brother experienced, to be honest, because they are manifesting our deepest and scariest fear and using our most loved one to manipulate us. I know that I base my story a lot on my culture and my country. This episode, but I'll just you know let you know about the culture and the environment that I grew up in. But let me know what kind of story that you are interested to hear next. You can visit and follow my Instagram, scary dot sleepover, and leave your comments and or story request under the post. Thank you all for listening. If you have a tale you would like to share. Please submit your story to my email at scary dot sleepover at gmail dot com. Have a good night, 
and let's have another sleepover next week.